Hello, and welcome to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. Steve Gladen, Global Small Groups Pastor at Saddleback Church, pulls from his 20-plus years of small group ministry experience to encourage and equip listeners to lead more effective small group ministry. So sit back, learn, and enjoy Steve Gladen on Small Groups. Welcome to SG Squared, Steve Gladen on Small Groups. Thank you so much for tuning in. Derek here along with your other host, Saddleback Church's Global Small Group Pastor, Steve Gladen. Hey, Derek. Always great to be with you, and obviously great to be with our listeners. It's great to have you for another discussion and topic and just fun things about small group life and small group point person realities. Yeah. Can you believe like it's already June? The summer is upon us. How is this happening? I know. June 1st, 2022, in the year of our Lord, and uh, uh, incredible how Five months have come and gone uh, since uh, 22 ushered itself in. So it's crazy. Yeah, schools in California, they're, they're going to be out in just a couple of short days. I know across the, across the planet, across the United States, other schools have already been out. So my son has been home from college since April 22. So it's just like, oh my, it's just crazy. And I know in, in SoCal there, it's, what do they call it? May gray in June gloom? Is it kind of gloomy there right now? Yeah, it, it, it's filling every one of those buckets up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the May gray and the June gloom is exactly right. When that coastal layer is there, uh, you hate it, uh, but then it actually gets warmer from about three till sunset. You're like going, well, why is it getting nighttime and it's getting warmer? So it's a, a crazy time of the of our of our season. You poor um, suffering su- Southern Californians. I mean. Yeah, you know, a little just when we're when we're paying our property tax, uh, you're not feeling sorry for us. So, Steve, I mean, you're a guy who lives, eats, breathes small groups. You've been, again, uh, at Saddleback almost 25 years, I believe, doing small groups. I mean, you've got to have a plethora of funny or awkward moments to share with our audience uh, regarding small groups that you've been a part of, your own small group. So, I just kind of thought this would be fun for our audience. If you could pull out of your hat maybe uh, a funny account or an awkward moment um, that you experienced in real time with your small group. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Um, let, let me think. Um, let's see. One awkward time for sure was, um, I don't know if you've ever been in group before, and all of a sudden there's this, this a nasty little smell, and you may have think uh, somebody had tooted. Uh, but thankfully, uh, our innocent dog was there to take the rap, and nobody in the small group had to, had to uh, uh, get sniffed out, uh, which is a poor pun. Uh, but you know, it was uh, it was one of those awkward things where you're just kind of looking around, and uh, it started out awkward, and then it ended up uh, very funny. But I, I think uh, you know we've had the other ones like uh, anybody else has said. We had a uh, we, a small group vacation together this one particular time. And, uh, it was a great learning lesson that we, you know, we, we looked into the details a little bit better, uh, because it had plenty of bedrooms, but it only had one bathroom, mm-hmm. which led to some awkwardness as you're trying to figure out bathroom schedules and all that as a group is all under the same roof. But I think the most awkward time I, I would have to think of, we were going through a, um, uh, a time when we we have this younger couple they're more hip uh than the rest of us and uh, they wanted to take on our service project 
And um, they chose for us to work with one of our local ministries and uh, their ministry was hip hop. So they were doing a, a hip hop event and we were hosting it. So for those of you that know me, there's nothing more the opposite of Steve Gladen than hip and hop. And uh, so it was, it, it, the show's SG Squared, uh, Steve Gladen was square. Uh, it, was, it was not hard, but I was not alone from our small group, but it was, I, I must confess, it was probably one of the most awkward serving events I've been on. Uh, but it was probably one of the better ones. I've got to confess, it, it was fun that uh, people didn't care that we didn't fit the stereotype. Um, it, but it was uh, it was it was crazy. Uh, how about you, brother? You got you got to have a, a funny or a, a of a or a squirrely one that's whoa, in there. Whoa, don't push this back on me yet. Hold on now. I gotta. <laughs> so at this at this hip hop. This was an event, right? And you guys are there to serve kind of the event, right? Oh, yeah. it was. I mean, I had mercifully, I took the food table, but it was just, yeah, it was all a, a skater, skater, hip hop dance event. And it was, uh, it's just not me. My wife did much better with it than I did. So I, I imagine the music's just kind of, it's going, the beat's going. Were you kind of trying to get into like a, was your body moving, man? Were you kind of getting, trying to get into the groove? I'm picturing this. Well, I, I think all you have to do is picture my wife, Lisa, saying, don't make an awkward time an ugly time. And so stay still and uh, don't try to be something you're not. That is awesome. And regarding the, the, the dog um, one you shared at the beginning, are you sure that was the dog? or uh, All I can safely say is it, it wasn't me. Uh, so, you know what? I'm, you know, what happens in group stays in group. Uh, but that would be preferably not to stay uh, not much longer in group. So we tried to air that one out. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, so the most, I, I mean, I know there's been so many funny things and awkward moments. I guess I'll share one awkward one for the sake of time. So I was in a group, and this was a group that had a, you know several families with younger kids. And that can always be a challenge, right? Um, one family had smaller children. There was another family that had, you know, older children, kind of almost teenage age, 10, 11. So quite a big dynamic. And this group's kind of new, you know, so you're all trying to just go with the flow and make everyone happy and kind of trying to establish some kind of ground rules for kids. But Yeah, do your best. None were really laid. And uh, so I remember we enter into this time of worship and it was kind of like the other adults of the group were kind of just like, yeah, kids just kind of, um, I think we had set ground rules like the younger kids upstairs and the older kids um, hang out downstairs and play with those toys because there was some kind of rowdier older kids. Uh -huh. we're, we're worshiping, the Holy Spirit is descending, you know, it's, it's just us adults someone's playing the acoustic guitar and we're just getting into the presence. And all of a sudden these rowdy, rowdy or older kids run up the stairs and we kind of hear a scream and they had kind of roughhoused around one of the younger kids. <laughs> I'm trying to be really careful here. And 
you're, you're, you're adding somebody out here from your group that's going to be listening to the show, but keep going. Let's I love just say it. the mama bears emerged. It was clash of the Titans. So one mom runs up to check on her poor little kids that are, might be in harm's way. And she's firmly telling these older kids to go back where they came from. The mother of the older kids comes up and it was basically a mom cat fight UFC almost takedown. It talking about killing the spirit, right? That that <laughs> this is while worship's going on. I, I would have loved to have seen all the husbands and how they reacted or did they know what to react to? Yeah, it was hilarious. You know? The music kind of just stopped and us husbands so. are looking down and the leader was like, well, Let's just all go into this other room and let these these two figure out. You know, I, I'm trying to figure out, was that the awkwardness or was worship the awkwardness? Because, I mean, I don't know too many groups that sing. I'm impressed that you guys even sang together. Yeah, group. That's, um, I mean, let alone the WWF thing that was happening between the moms. I'm pretty impressed that you guys even got that going. Oh, yeah. So group life, you got to love it. There's always going to be uh, fun stuff happening, awkward stuff, because like like we say, community is messy, right? Yeah, it, it is. And uh, and it's fun. It's a, kind of a, a bizarre time. So it's, it's, you know, it's always got us opportunities. <laughs> so we mentioned at the top of the show, crazy to think about, we're already heading into summer. And in this episode, we want to talk about should groups meet over the summer? And so, Steve, uh, why don't you kind of set this up for us? You know, it, it was, it's really funny. I can't tell you how many times I am asked at conferences uh, or through emails or, you know, churches, you know, connecting. Do you do your groups meet over summer? And, you know, it's probably got to be the, the number one question that I'm, I'm, I'm always hearing uh you know, there. I mean, I should say, rel- relatively new questions that, that I'm hearing. So usually, how how often do your groups meet? You know, do your groups meet over summer? And then, how do you handle childcare? You know, those are the some of the, the top ones that always seem to, to pop out. But for this show, let's just stick to the. Um, you know, should your groups meet over summer? Because I think it's really important to to kind of get this topic out there because uh, there's a lot of um, strategies that take breaks over the summer or they'll do a summer semester type of thing or they'll do something like that on a school system and um so as we're talking about this let me give a couple um you know disclaimers as we we head into this topic because it can be very polarizing um because if you've heard me at conferences we always talk about how the church is built on a family system it's not built on a school system so Whenever you're taking breaks over the summer, you're you're automatically saying, you know, I'm structuring my groups like a school system. Uh, but to to be fair with that, let's let me give you three disclaimers so that we're kind of talking on the same level because really what the conversation is always about, or let me tell you this, should be about for small group point people is answering the question of discipleship. Um, so often, discipleship people um, that are hungry for that. Uh, kind of are at odds with small group types and sometimes small group types are at odds with discipleship when really your small group ministry should be your discipleship ministry, Mm. unless you just got oodles of time and people have all kinds of time on their hands. But the disclaimers I've set up is the first thing is throughout the new Testament, it's interesting that temple courts 
culturally, it happens, you know, uh, once a week. Uh, that's, you know, pretty normative throughout the, throughout the New Testament, especially on the Old Testament side, but on the New Testament side. But what's interesting is when you look at house to house, um, and especially when you're looking at the things that house to house is supposed to do, which is in Acts 2, 42 through 47, that there is nothing said about frequency. Uh, nothing is said about how often you're supposed to meet as a group uh, or, you know, is it weekly? Is it monthly? Is it every other week or something? But what's focused on more importantly throughout the New Testament is what is the group to accomplish? So the first disclaimer is this is to, to acknowledge frequency is not even talked about in the New Testament. But what uh, is talked about in the New Testament are outcomes. And you can look at Acts 2, 42 through 47 if you want to see some of those outcomes uh, that, that's talked about in the New Testament. The second disclaimer I would say is that one of the things that I've noticed about semester-based groups is that they, they are a great connection strategy. Um, but if you're going to take time off from things, uh, I, I would say that it would be hard to qualify that as a great um, discipleship strategy because discipleship is done um, 365 days a year. You're always working on it between your quiet time and, and the relationships that surround what you're learning in your quiet time. And when you take a break, away from, um, uh, you know, discipleship, it'd be like taking a break away, you know, if you're going to take the summer off from being a parent or take the summer off from being married. So it'd be some unique pieces, some dots would, you'd have to connect them and figure out how is a break going to be our discipleship strategy. Now, if you're just trying to get connections going, and you're trying to do a connection strategy, uh, you know, I would say it's a great connection strategy, but if you leave it there at the connections, then then I think it's kind of messed up. The third disclaimer I would, I would throw out there is that throughout the Bible, um, the format of coming together like a traditional small group or a traditional Sunday school class uh, is not modeled at all. You know, come together, do an icebreaker, do a study, discuss it. What are you going to do with it? Things like that. It's a component but again, when you look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, is that what a small group is made up of is, you know, all kinds of variety. So based on those three things, um, I would want to tackle, you know, three dangers that if you're going to break over summer. Now, if you're just a purely a connection strategy and you're not worried about discipleship, and I would say, you know, turn off the podcast or fast forward to the end or hear the three things and see how you'd want to work it into the, your discipleship strategy. But I think there are three dangers that you just got to be aware of as you approach the the typical summer break that sometimes you can put people on. I liked the point you made about the Bible not necessarily being clear about the frequency of the house to house. Um Interesting yeah. point. Never really thought about that. That is, that's great to take note of. So thanks for the disclaimers there. What would you say are, Steve, are some of the things you typically hear about why groups do not meet? Well, I, I mean, I, I would say the, the first danger is that if you're going to talk about discipleship, it's about spending time together. I'll, I'll get to your question, but let me kind of frame it up first uh, with this one. And, and that is 
your danger is that it's the first thing I would say, it's about spending time together. And, um, you know, there's a famous uh, sermon that was talked about. It's about the weekend stupid. Uh, I would say that if you're doing discipleship, it's, it's about being together. It's about time together. And it's about together, stupid is how I frame it, I guess, if I was just, you know, going there. Because you, you've heard me talk about this on different shows before, just being able to talk about that. If you want to speak the truth to somebody, it, it's got to be built on a platform of trust. And the only way trust is built is you've got to spend time with them. That's why, you know, at a, a stadium event, when some guy's out there yelling, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. They're speaking truth. But the problem is that person is a trust is not a trusted resource because they haven't spent time with the people. And discipleship, you'll see from Jesus and Peter and Paul over and over again, that discipleship happens through spending time together. Because when you spend time, and this is like in a family system, you want to raise good kids, spend time with them. So that when you do speak the truth, they'll trust you and and hopefully obey you. And so part of it is that it, one of the dangers you're doing is you're killing great time opportunities or memory opportunities uh, because you you want to spend as much time together with people so that when you speak the truth, and I could give you examples of the truth being spoken to me and me speaking the truth. And the more trust I have through having great relational time with them, then the more aptitude they have to to apply the truth, which is when you apply truth, that's discipleship. So I don't know if you want to say anything before I kind of go to some of the excuses (laughs) that kind of people use against time. No, I I love what you just shared there, because from my experience with groups during this summer, as the leader, it feels like it can really be a low maintenance season for you as the leader. You know, you give some ground rules, but you give a lot of freedom and and you're just letting people get together and make connections. And there's some people I've found that will, and they'll jump into a, a small group eventually because they did something fun during the summer that somebody invited them to, right? That was an on-ramp that they may not have got on in another way, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, there's no doubt our group, I mean, the group I'm a part of been part of it for over, um, oh my goodness, over two decades. Um, you know, there's been ebbs and flows and, and high frequency times and low frequency times and high crises times and, you know, all kinds of things. But what we've learned is that variety is, is the name of the game. And if you're doing a Bible study, 52 weeks out of the year, then dude, you're just going to kill your group because that, that's the beautiful thing about Acts 2, 42 through 47. It shares all kinds of things you can do. And a lot of the fun things like what you just were mentioning, they're easier to do during the summer uh, with that. But I digress. Let me go into three things I hear a lot about this time issue. Uh, one of the things I always hear from uh, small group point people is, um, you know, people are on vacation. They're on vacation all the time. And, and I don't know about the, you know, the listeners on the show, but, um, you know, it's rare that Rick 
comes to me and says, you know, hey, you know, summer's coming up. Uh, why don't you take the next 12 weeks off? Um, uh, you know, there, there's, there's just no such thing. And, and there's no doubt that more people will take vacations during the summer, but maybe they're gone two weeks. Uh, I mean, generally people aren't gone all that much. And even so, it's still a great opportunity to build relationships with, you know, who's ever in town, unless, you, you know, the whole small group goes on vacation, then I would go all for that. But people are always on vacation. And that that's one of them that I hear quite a bit that um, I'm like, oh, really? I think during the summer, kids are about the only one that really get the, the whole summer off with that. Um, the other one I hear oftentimes is different parts of the country that have poorer climate throughout some parts of the year is that when the climate gets better, they're, they're gone all the time. And again, I don't know about you, but I still have to work Monday through Friday. I may be going the weekends uh, sometimes uh, if I if I have the, the weekend off. But again, it, is it really true that you know everybody in your church is gone? Because what I've noticed on the first two reasons is that they don't stop the weekend service. I don't see too many churches go into the summertime saying, hey, you know what? It's summer. We're not going to have the weekend service till uh, come September after Labor Day. They don't, you know, the weekend service never takes a break. Uh, but yet, for some reason, we put it in our heads, which I think leads to the third excuse, which may be the one where I get the, the most fan mail from. But sometimes we don't meet uh, over the summer because uh, we, we have what we call vision leakage. And we don't even know where we're doing or where we're going as the small group point leader. So, you know, sometimes it's our fault because, you know, we're just we're trying to look for a break instead of using the calendar year as a strategic benchmark. And so, you know, there there can be all kinds of things. But I would say the first danger is that you're you're really for discipleship to happen is you're sabotaging great times together uh, with your groups. Great points. Great points. Another thought I had was, oh, and I was going to share, because as you know, Steve, I lived in Alaska for a season. Oh, that's and right. If there's any that. place in the world where where people want to be outside and gone, it's Alaska, right? Like, wow. it's uh, the sun goes down about 3 p.m. in the winter months, and so you get some of that back in the summer when the sun's up nonstop 24 hours. So people are just out, want to be outside. But I remember when I was leading groups at my church up there in Fairbanks, we launched interest-based groups. And I mean, it was one of the, it was probably one of the most dynamic uh, semesters we ever had in small groups. Um, was the first summer we launched interest-based groups. We had we had mountain biking groups. I almost got killed uh, being a part of that group. You know, you know me, I'm, I'm recruiting. Hey, I, I was casting vision to a friend. You'd be great. You guys leading this mountain biking group. We got a bunch of mountain bikers and they said, well, we'll start it if you join. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, literally I crashed down a mountain in Alaska and almost broke my wrist. It was, it was intense, but it was fun. Great memories. All that to say yeah. that to me proved that, uh, you know, if you're all in as the leader casting vision, man, you can thrive in the summer group. So, yeah, people make people will make time for for what's what's meeting their needs or what's what's scratching an itch. 
And, you know, wherever you start it with, whether it's, it's you know, a short-term group over the summer, whether it is, uh, you know, your, your injury space one. I mean, when the goal is discipleship, you want to maximize every bit of time to, to build, you know, t- towards when you can really get into the nitty-gritty of, you know, what makes discipleship happen. Because throughout when Jesus was with the disciples, there were laid-back times and easy times. There was also some very intense times in ministry where, you know, it was all hands on deck. And so it's just a, a fascinating concept. <laughs> okay. So what did you have a third point too? Well, actually, I, I got a second point. So, uh, you know, you're, we should probably tell the listeners you're on some serious drugs right now for your, your allergies. And, and uh, you're like nine, brother, but that's okay. Let me, let me rifle this through. Number two. So the first thing that one of the dangers is, is that you're you're sacrificing time together to to build that trust so that when you need discipleship to happen. Another hurt that, that that can happen with this in the area of discipleship when you stop your groups over the summer can be that you may be hurting the very groups that can meet over summer the easiest. And one of the examples that I, that I share is that when our kids were all in elementary school and junior high, and yeah, even in high school, summertime was the easiest time for us to get together. Well, why? Because during summer, there was no homework. So every day was a Friday. And the other thing too, is we had no competition because sports really weren't in full force uh, like they are during the school year. And so ironically, if our best traction time where, where we saw a lot of great quality time with us meeting as couples was during the summer. And so one of the inadvertent dangers you could do is that the very fact when you say, hey, we're stopping over summer, you may be killing the groups where they could thrive the best. Now, again, if, if you're just if you're all about, you know, trying to get a connection strategy going and so you're having all the groups start together, all the groups stop together, all the groups start and stop together, then this may not be as applicable. But if you're in the process of trying to say, OK, how do we help maximize, you know, throughout the calendar year. I mean, you don't know what are the best times or the worst times. And if you, if you do a, a unilateral, we're all stopping, then uh, you could kill some of the groups that could meet the best. Great point again. Um, yeah. Cause you've got those different groups. Some people are real rigid. They want to stick to a semester. As you know, at Saddleback, you guys will end a specific uh semester or season but you got those groups that still want to get together and meet they're having so much fun they're such a great dynamic and yeah and you're just you're, you're trying to build off you know um you know the let the people you, the important thing i would say is that you've got to define what you're wanting in a disciple let the group figure out the frequency how often they meet you don't care how they get there i mean the, i heard that the best way I heard this great illustration, and I told the guy I was going to rip it off and not give him any credit, so I'm going to follow through with it. But uh, I was uh, talking to uh, Randy Stone, who's uh, one of the professors down at New Orleans Seminary, and he had this great analogy that, you know, when you're trying to get from point A to point B, you know, some people may may take a car there. Uh, some people may take a boat. You know, he was using an illustration going from uh, New Orleans to St. Louis. He goes, some people may, you know, just take a boat up the Mississippi. Some people may take an airplane. Some people may hike it. The bottom line is 
you don't care how they're going. But if you go, hey, we're all stopping now because, you know, we're only only doing airplane flights uh, because that's what you like, then uh, it, it has that, that intermittent effect of just stopping, you know, the beauty of what the community of believers is about and that we're all made very, very differently, but we can do it. And it, which leads to the third, third danger that I think is there, and that is uh, no one rises above the leadership bar that you set. So again, as a leader, what I would ask you to do is just saying, again, kind of bleeding point one and point two to, together is that if, if you don't have a vision, if you don't understand what you're trying to build as a disciple, then it's going to be hard for you to be able to uh, set the course for what you want to see happen in the area of discipleship. Now, obviously, we want you to be in line with your senior pastor. But what can happen very easily in this moment is that when the leader is, is setting the course and you have the bar set so low and just leave it low, what can happen is, is that you're going to train a bunch of people never to step over what bar you set. So instead of setting the frequency schedule, what you may want to start doing is saying in your leadership is understanding that no one's going to rise above what you set. So set it for the, the highest point you can go to and give people ideas and strategies for how to get there. So for us at Saddleback here, we want to set the, the bar for discipleship but let them figure out the frequency because you know how much fellowship your group needs. You know how much discipleship your group needs. You know how much serving they need. You know how much evangelism they need. You know how much worship. Those are our five metrics that we're looking at in the area of not only a group being healthy through balance, balancing the five verbs of the Great Commission, Great Commandment, but also in the person. So let's leave it up to them. And, and, you know, set the bar high so that they know what to get to and then have crawl, walk, run steps to kind of serve each one. So kind of summing up, if you're, you're thinking about, you know, should you you're, stop your groups over summer, ask yourself the fundamental question. First off is Acts 2.42 through 47, do you know what you're trying to produce? And then along with that, uh, you know, ask yourself, am I trying to do a connection strategy? Or am I trying to do a discipleship strategy? Or am I trying to do both? But if you're trying to do a discipleship strategy in any shape or form, you got to look at these three things we talked about, that when you limit time together, you're, there comes a point where you got to speak truth into people's lives, and it's just going to come slower. The second thing is that you may be stopping groups that really do want to keep going on and you know working your discipleship plan. And then the third thing is, is that you got to understand that no one's going to rise above your leadership standards. And so set the standards high, but give them a simple crawl, walk, run ability way to, to make it to those points. So on this first day of June in uh, 2022, it's going to be important, you know, as you look at summer, what are you going to do with it? You're going to cash it in or are you going to concede it? So see how that, that plays out. Great insight, Steve. Uh, loved those three points and your disclaimers. And um, to everybody listening, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, which we know you did, um, share it with somebody. Uh, share the link maybe on your social media. Tag us. Join our Facebook group. 
Uh, but there you have it. There is your um, kind of pre-summer uh, podcast on should your group meet over the summer. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope it encouraged you, equipped you, and we hope it, uh, it empowers you to lead a healthier, better small group. So thanks for spending part of your day with us. Uh, until next time, goodbye. See you later, guys. Thank you for listening to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.